to the Word of God. And uh, I will read a verse of Scripture, a couple of verses from Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 5. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 5. Thank you, brother. If you have it, say amen. I'll let you get it then. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. I love that verse of Scripture. And what I want to bring out tonight and talk to you about in this Bible study is acknowledging God. Acknowledge God. Everybody say, I want to acknowledge God. And hopefully when I get through, you'll understand a little bit better what that is. All right, let's clap our hands to the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. <clears throat> Webster defines the word acknowledge as to admit, to be real or true, to recognize the existence of truth or fact of, to recognize the authority and validity are the claims of. The scripture text that I read tonight gives us a three-step plan to walk in the straight and narrow way. Now, I've, I've preached about the straight and narrow way. Jesus taught about it in all four of the Gospels. He talked about the gate and the straight gate and the narrow way. How many of you really want to be in that narrow way? You really want to be on that straight way? Well, not everybody does. Maybe this lesson will help you tonight where you'll want to get on that road and, and get straight. Maybe I can help you. I felt in the Holy Ghost somebody needed this tonight. And so you didn't raise your hand, so you must need it. Here's three things. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't think you've got it all under control. Don't believe you've got it all figured out. Don't try to work it out on your own. But the Lord says not to lean on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord with all your heart. And he says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. We have got to give more recognition and praise and worship to God than we really give him. I don't think anybody here is praised out or worshipped out. I don't think anybody here has reached a place that the Lord said, Oh man, back off a little bit. You're worshipping too much. Now am I right? 
I don't think any of us have arrived at that place that God's wanting us to stop uh, being uh, uh, expressive with our worship. I believe the Lord loves every bit of our worship. When we come and acknowledge God, and that's what our worship is all about, it's not to entertain the saints. I won't say that again because it didn't. All of you didn't get it. Our worship is not for entertainment. When it becomes entertainment, you get like a lot of saints that have been in the church a long time. They start griping when it's not like they want it. They start complaining when it's not their type of music. When you come to be entertained, you're going to gripe when it's not what you want. But when you come to worship and glorify and magnify and acknowledge God, you're not going to be worried about being entertained. And whether you like it or not, you're going to be giving God glory and he's going to be recognized and you're going to acknowledge him. And guess what? God is going to respond when people began to worship him. I personally do not see how a person could really acknowledge God while leaning on their own understanding and not trusting God. Acknowledgement puts all of the trust and the power on God. Whether it's going uh, out to play or it's going out to work. We need to be acknowledging God. Acknowledge Him always, the writer says. This means to keep God in mind. If you're not thinking about God sometimes during your day, honey, you better start re-evaluating your day, and you better start rearranging your day to make sure that you are acknowledging God in your day. Recognize his handiwork. I just can't hardly uh, not acknowledge God when I see a sunrise and a sunset. I mean, when I see it, that, that is some of the most beautiful things. And do you know that every one of them is different? Every one of them is different. There is no sunset or sunrise that looks identical. There's always a cloud. There's always something different. The rays are always different. If nothing else, there's a bird that wasn't there the day before. There's something different in every sunrise. So you acknowledge him. Always means even in your marriage, acknowledge him. And in your family, acknowledge him. At work, acknowledge him. While you're driving, acknowledge him. While you're eating, acknowledge him. While you're idle, acknowledge him. Always means to see him in your work or play, in your active or leisure time. Always means to see him in your finances. Always means from the time you get out of bed in the morning and uh, until the time you go to bed at night, you should acknowledge Jesus Christ as being Lord of your life. 
And I do believe that we ought to be testifying about it and talking about it and and showing people that God is real by the way we live our lives. Pentecostals have one of the greatest testimonies of anybody in the world because most, most of us have been delivered from so much and set free from so much Uh, Some of you used to have habits of all sorts, and God delivered you from it. He literally took the desire away. Some of you used to drink uh, alcoholic beverages and even get drunk. And some of you drank so much that you were an alcoholic and didn't even know it. Some of you did know it. Some of you didn't know it. Some of you were tobacco users, and I'm telling you, uh, you didn't realize it, how much that had a hold of you till God set you free from that. And now you ought to be rejoicing about it. And when somebody's struggling with that, you ought to be willing to pray with them and encourage them that God can set you free from all of your problems, all of your sins, all of your habits. A lot of you did drugs, and and um, Lord help you. you, you were so privileged that God set you free from that mess. Before God, before the world destroyed your mind and destroyed your life and he ended up in prison the rest of your life, you ought to be rejoicing about that, acknowledging the fact that God set us free. Sometimes we get confused about bringing the little things to God. We think that he only wants to be bothered with our big things. Come on, you know I'm telling you the truth. We let little stuff go because we don't want to bother God because we think He's so big, so powerful and mighty. Could you really, really justify thinking that way? What could be big to God who created the whole universe and is all-powerful and almighty? Now, what could be big to God? Name one thing in your life that you think is so big you shouldn't take it to God. Or so little he would not be concerned about it. Why would you consider one of your problems to be so little when the Bible tells us emphatically God sees the sparrow that falls. He sees the hairs and numbers the hairs of our head. If God notices those little things, why wouldn't he be concerned with your little problem? I'm trying to help somebody tonight. You need to hear me. We think God's only interested in our big problems. He's not. He's interested in your little bitty problems too. The insignificant ones. The ones that you may think I don't want to worry him with. You think God's worried about worrying? (laughs) God is not worried about worrying. He does not worry with problems. Charles Spurgeon was England's best known preacher in the 1800s. He often preached to audiences of 10 thousand people without a PA set. 
I have trouble preaching to 50 and 70 with a PA set. I can't imagine what kind of voice that man had or what kind of auditorium he had that the acoustics were so good that 10,000 people could hear. My goodness. He said one time, I would recommend you either believe God to the hilt or else don't believe at all. Believe the book of God, every letter of it, or else reject it. He said there's no logical standing place between the two. You have to either make up your mind, it is the word of God, it is real, it is everlasting, it is powerful, or just make up your mind, it's just a story told. It's just a, another book, and it doesn't matter. Someone wrote a magazine article, and they said, just follow your heart. It rarely leads you down the wrong path. One woman said that when she let her heart lead her, she found herself bound in a marriage with a drug abuser because she loved him. She said, if I had let my head lead me instead of my heart, I would have run the other way. Which part of your being is the best part to believe in? Your head or your heart? Those are good questions that many psychologists and theologians have tried to answer for a long, long time. The famous preacher D.L. Moody once said, Trust in yourself and you're doomed to disappointment. Trust in your friends and they will die and leave you. Trust in your money and it may be taken from you. Trust in your reputation and some slanderous tongue may blast it. But trust in God and you are never to be confounded in time or eternity. I'm telling you folks, somebody needs to hear me today. It's time that we start trusting in God and acknowledging Him as being greater than He is. Because God is only as great as we believe He is. Did you hear what I just said? God is only as great as you believe He is. If you don't believe He's very great, He's not going to be very great. When we call and have you come up to the front and we take out the oil and we anoint you and pray over you, if you don't believe God's going to heal you, all we're doing is going through some motions. And I'll tell you, you just go ahead and hear me right now. You can come up and have that attitude if you want. You can come up here and not believe if you don't want. But honey, every time I anoint somebody with oil and I pray over them, I'm believing that God is about to perform a miracle. So I'm going to just tell you, if you come very often, my power and my prayer is eventually going to get bigger than your doubt. And you're going to find out you may get healed and don't even believe it. 
Because sometimes God will override doubt with somebody that's got a little bit of faith. Everybody say, I just need a little bit of faith. That little bit of faith in believing in God goes a long ways. Trusting is not always easy in this world. The reason because so many people betray our trust. You ever have anybody to betray your trust? Anybody ever <clears throat> say something that you never dreamed they'd say? Someone once said, never trust a politician who says, trust me. <laughs> never trust a restaurant that advertises just like mama's home cooking and you see no cars parked in front of the restaurant. Don't believe that sign because it's not the truth. Never trust someone who says, I'll never tell anybody else. Never trust a used car salesman that tells you this car was owned by a little old lady and she only drove it to church and the grocery store. Never trust a preacher who says, this is going to be a short sermon or I'm coming to a close. Never trust a company that writes you a letter and says, the check is in the mail. Never trust a dog owner who says, don't worry, he's never bitten anyone. And people will say that, and it's the truth. How many of you have ever known anybody by the name of anyone? So if your dog bites somebody, you say, what's your name? And if it's not anyone, you still say, he's never bit anyone. Did I help anybody yet? Sister Gail, have you got that yet? She's got her head bowed. She looks like she's praying. I, I think she's getting that. Never trust someone who says, don't call me, I'll call you. Never trust someone who says, I've never done anything like this before. Never trust someone who says, don't worry, we'll never get caught. Never trust someone who says, go east until you see a windmill, then turn north and go about a mile and you'll see a white farmhouse, then go west until you see a, a small bridge, then go south. You can't miss it. When somebody starts giving those kind of directions, you better just forget it, get your GPS, or just take a chance. Never trust someone who says, I'll take care of of everything never trust a mechanic who says I'll fix it and it'll be like a brand new one never trust a dentist who says this will only hurt just a little bit never trust someone who says if you get the tab this time I'll pay it next time never trust someone who says I can stop anytime I want to Never trust someone who says, you can eat all the pizza you want for breakfast, Oreos for lunch, and Chinese food for dinner, and maintain your figure. Never trust someone who says, you will not certainly die, for God knows when you eat 
from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You ever heard that or read that before? And never trust someone who says if you like your doctor or your health care plan, you can keep it. Here's some facts about trust. Trust is like a mirror. Once it's broken, it never reflects the same way again. Trust is like a paper. Once it's crumbled, it will never be perfect again. You may not always trust the people you love, but you can always love the people that you trust. Trust is the key to relationship. If you can't trust then, why be together? Trust takes years to build, seconds to break, and forever to fix. You can't buy trust from the markets. You can't buy it on the streets. It has to be built with love and dedication. Trust is something very powerful as it can make a relationship terrible or wonderful depending on the person you are trusting. In a recent interview of a 26-year-old Swedish student, questions were asked of her about her views on life. One question was this, Do you believe in God and do you believe in religion? Absolutely not. Only silly people believe in such things, she answered. Then how do you know what is right and what is wrong, she was asked. And her answer was this, my heart tells me. This way of thinking and believing, or should I say non-believing, is the major reason that we have so much immorality and sin in our world today because people are led by what their heart tells them. The majority of people use their heart, stirred by their eyes, to determine in their mind what they think is right or wrong. The eyes and the heart work together from a very powerful force. This force can only be overcome when we're able to think with a mind that is founded upon a value system and upon a foundation that is stronger than the combination of the heart and the mind of man. When God is left out of the equation and the word of God is ignored, and no one listens to the voice of God, then we leave ourselves at the mercy of the heart that is easily deceived and a mind that has no absolutes.
to make our decisions and this becomes a potentially fatal problem for all of us, all humanity worldwide. In other words, man exalts his own heart and mind above the Word of God and makes his own mind his God. Proverbs 28, 26 says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So why would we trust solely on our heart if it's so desperately wicked and who can even know it? <clears throat> can you trust your own heart and can you trust your own mind? The question of both of those, uh, the answer to the question is no, you cannot trust either one at least not in the context of human ability alone. There is a way that both your heart and your mind can be trusted. And in 1 Corinthians 2.16, Paul tells us that if we are in Christ and we are allowing Him to lead us and direct our path, then we have the mind of Christ. The only way that you can trust your thinking is to be right. Your thinking to be right is for you allowing the Holy Ghost to speak to you. The Word of God to lead you and Jesus to be the Lord that is living inside of you. Jesus said that he alone is the truth, the light, and the way. And if we allow him to rule in us, that we will know the truth. And guess what? That truth that we know will make us free. Romans 12 and 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is carnal. Your mind is fleshly. But it can be renewed. It can be con uh, transformed. It can be different. And this will prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God will show you and lead you when your mind gets correct, when it gets transformed, when it gets changed. You can trust your heart, but only if your heart is guided by the Holy Ghost. You can trust your heart if Jesus lives in you. And I know everybody says Jesus is living in them. Everybody that calls himself a Christian, says the Lord's living in them. Jesus made it clear, though, in John chapter 3, unless you're born again 
of water and of spirit, you're not really born again. And when you're born again, you become a new creature. God becomes ruler of your heart. And your life is different when you are truly born again. You can trust your heart if Jesus lives in you. And you can trust your heart if you allow the Word of God. And not the desires of the flesh. You can trust your heart, but only if your heart is surrendered to the Lord. You can also trust your mind and your thinking, but only if your mind has been renewed in the power of the Holy Ghost and you have the mind of Christ. I'm convinced that if you are as close to God as we should be, if we are listening to the voice of the Lord as He speaks to us, that we will never go very far away from God. Men and women in the Bible that had the kind of trust in God was certainly a man by the name of Abraham, had complete trust in God, and prepared the sacrifice of his only son Isaac. God never did ask any of us to do that. None of us. Not one person in this building has ever had God to do us that way. But sometimes we're ready to walk away from God if He didn't do something like we think He ought to. We get our feelings hurt. We get embarrassed. Somebody says something. Somebody does something we don't like. And we're ready to walk away. How would you feel if God asked you to sacrifice your own son? David had complete trust when he went against Goliath. This man was so tall, he could dunk the basketball and wouldn't even have to jump. I mean, the dude was big. David walked out there, and he started laughing at, at David and started telling him, I'm going to cut you up in little pieces and feed you the bird. David said, you come to me with sword and shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And you know what? David did part of what he said he was going to do. He didn't cut him up in little pieces, but he cut his head off. David realized this guy's a problem. I knocked him down, but he's not dead. Until I take off the head of the problem, I'm going to constantly be worried about when he gets up, he's going to be looking for me. And so David took Goliath's own sword and cut off the head of the giant. And that's what we need to do. Elijah had complete trust in the Lord when he prayed for his sacrifice to be burned. Now he was one man against 400 prophets of Baal. 400 to 1. Now, how would you like those kind of odds? You think about it. Well, Brother Gandy, I just been so tough. I, I had three people to kind of look at me, and 
They know I'm Pentecostal because I dress different and I act different. I don't go out drinking with them. It's been hard. Oh, really? Has it been? You know, I've turned down a lot of cigarettes as a pastor. I've had people offer me cigarettes. I said, no, thank you. I don't smoke. I've had people to offer me beers as a pastor. I think some of them did it out of spite. I just smiled at them and said, no, I don't drink. Don't need it. I don't think I've had anybody offer me any drugs. I don't think I have. Or illegal drugs. Illegal drugs. I can give you a lot of reasons why we trust in God. King Solomon tells us in our text that the main reason why we should trust God is when we trust God, He guides us. Why wouldn't you want to trust Him? A lot of people want God to be their co-pilot. Not me. I want him to be my pilot. I don't fly good enough for me to be the pilot. I want God to be in charge. Matter of fact, when I'm driving down the road, I don't know of, I I can't remember a time we've got in our car to go any distance at all. A lot of times I'll forget it if I'm going to run quick to Walmart, but I shouldn't even forget it then. But we always sit there and pray. God, let your angels count round about us, protect us from all harm, evil, and trouble. Go with us on this trip. And and uh, I hadn't been saying it, but I need to start saying anytime you want to drive, just take over. I want God to be in charge of my life. Our part is, and I'm almost through if you can believe this. Our part is to do the trusting, and his part is to do the guiding. When you trust in God, it will make a huge difference in your life and the way you live it. The word trust here is the Hebrew word that means put all your weight on it. An example would be like when you go to bed tonight, just keep one foot out on the floor and try to lay down and say, well, I don't trust the bed. I don't know if it's going to hold me up or not. And that's the way a lot of people want to live for God. They want to trust God, but they want to keep one foot on the floor just in case God can't take care of it. You don't keep one foot on the floor so that you can get up if the bed won't support you. And neither do you halfway trust God. You either trust Him Or you don't. Half-hearted trust is like whole-hearted doubt. Did y'all hear me? Half-hearted trust is like whole-hearted doubt. And according to my phone, I'm out of time. Would you stand? But did you ask yourself why you don't give God your complete trust? Ask yourself, has He ever given you a reason Not to acknowledge Him 
as the Lord of your life. To fully trust Him. Has God ever given you a reason? And I'll have to answer that question for you. No, He has not. He's never given you a reason for you not to acknowledge Him as being Lord of your life, King and Master. And that's all God wants. He wants us to surrender to Him. He just wants our full attention. God wants us to fully love Him. And He made that clear when He said, Worship the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's every avenue of your body. He wants us to worship Him that way. And I think God wants us to love Him and serve Him the same way. Give Him everything. Could you just lift your hands and acknowledge Him right now? Thank you, God. I acknowledge you. I love you. I